Welcome to the Gay Fathers Podcast. Join us as our guests share stories of coming out, raising kids, and more. Thank you to the Utah Gay Fathers Association for producing this podcast. Interested in sharing your story? Reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.org. All right, we are here this week with our guest, George, is here with us, and we are going to start off by having George introduce himself. So, George, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Ross. Thank you. My name is George. I have been out for about, let's see, about uh, five, actually a little bit more, six years now, and I was married for 20 years to a woman. We have an 11-year-old son together. Um, my coming out was not the cause of the the breakup and the divorce, but it was something that I started exploring as the marriage was falling apart for other reasons. And really for the first time, put everything about myself on the table as I was going through therapy to try to, you know, get myself together. And then in the process came out to myself and to, to everyone. Okay. Wow. So you actually just, you know, as you noticed that your marriage was falling apart, you decided, well, maybe I wanted to explore this. When when did you know that you were gay? I knew I was different very early on. Five or six years old, I, I could actually remember the moment in time when I saw an image of, of a male on the screen. And, you know, at that time, my arousal is, is not you know the same as it is now, but it, it, it just really caught my interest. And I was I felt completely absorbed. So it was from really early on, but, you know, and then growing, when I got into my teens, that um, I was definitely attracted to the male form. I definitely didn't want to be gay. And I remember at the time sort of justifying it to myself uh, that I wasn't gay by thinking about what it would it be like to kiss a man or to hold a man or to have sex with a man. And I would just kind of get grossed out. And that would be sort of my the the me telling myself okay well i'm not gay then i'm i'm good um even though i, I really was mm -hmm. so growing up you knew that you were kind of gay but you were kind of scared to act on it <laughs> yeah so i i grew up in a small coastal town in an Italian-American family with uh, a very, on my dad's side, a very definite way, definition of what a man should be and how a man should act. And, and I'll say that my childhood was uh, abusive from my dad, verbally and physically mm -hmm. abusive. Part of that verbal, yeah, part of that verbal abuse was basically diminishing mas my masculinity, saying, you know, I think the, the most common term was Sissy Mary Lou. Hmm. There was not a lot of negativity around that. All of my male cousins were basically it's that Saturday night fever stereotype of Italian Americans, lots of girlfriends, kind of very macho. And I was not at all like that. And then from my mom's side, there was a lot of shame around and embarrassment around sex and sexuality, even straight, just because of the circumstances she grew up in. So I kind of well, not just my own household, but, you know, just from culture, the outside culture overall, I knew very early on that this was not an okay way to be. And so I just kind of shoved everything down and kind of went on. And so I, I dated a little bit in high school. And then the big moment for me, I think, came in college. <clears throat> it was my junior year. And I was very good friends with a woman and we had gotten together one night. I was about to leave for a semester abroad and we'd gotten together one night and one thing led to another and we ended up having mm -hmm. sex. And for me, <laughs> that was a huge relief. I mean, I still remember thinking like, oh my God, okay, I can do this. I can have sex with a woman. I don't have to worry about being gay. I can do this. That's it. This is my track. And so... And part of it, I think, too, is sort of wrapped around the circumstances. I mean, it, if my parents got divorced when I was 13. Like I said, there was a lot of physical and verbal abuse. And so I always had to 
wanted to have a loving family. I wanted to be a loving father. I wanted to have the kind of family that I did not have growing yeah. up, be the kind of father I have growing up. And really, the only way to do that was to have a relationship, you know, be ma married to a woman and have kids with her and do it that way. There, there really wasn't other, any other options. I mean, even growing up there, there was only, I think like one way to be gay, you know, and the, the, the stereotype that I think we're all familiar with. And, you know, I didn't really identify with that stereotype, but that lack of, you know, diversity and that lack of information really kind of led, put blinders on me in terms of, okay, here's the only option I have. If I want to have this family, that uh, that I hope to I have to be married to a woman and and so that that's the the path and now that I know that I can have sex with a woman and I was always very able easily able to emotionally connect with women throughout my life most of my friends were women I had a much easier time relating to them than to mm -hmm. guys and so you so you have that emotional part now I have this the physical part and it was done so about Two years after I graduated from college, I met my the person who's now my ex-wife and honestly fell in love with her. I mean, when I think back about, you know, did I when I was doing going through therapy and thinking about did I what, what were my intentions in this marriage? Was it just to have cover um, or was it because I really fell in love with her? And it, it really was because I fell in love with her and she was we were great together, and she was this like you know, rock solid, funny, charming, loving, smart woman that really I felt anchored by. And I, so we ended up uh, dating for a couple of years and then getting married. Okay. Wow. So you have that attraction for women, got married, went mm -hmm. through your marriage. You said you had a son, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. What happened that brought you know obviously things happened in the marriage you said that there were other things that were happening with the marriage the marriage fell apart what mm -hmm. do you feel like being gay was part of some of the things that caused the marriage to fall apart or yeah yeah that, that was a that's a huge question that was a question for me <laughs> being italian and catholic growing up catholic guilt is a very, very familiar and comfortable for me so that you know i wanted to see do i is that something that i need to not nah, feel guilty about that's a little, little flippant but you know is this something that i bring this on us mm -hmm. and you know through a lot of therapy the what i concluded was it may have contributed a little bit you know i suffer from depression yeah. and so i i guess i should say too that um, i think i i was monogamous in the marriage that was very very, very important Mm -hmm. to me because of what I saw in my family growing up. And so I just compartmentalized everything. And the days before the internet, it was stopping by uh, a, a porn store and buying magazines and videotapes that I would use and then toss out so I wouldn't get discovered. And then, then it was the internet and the internet made things a lot easier. And so during the marriage, you know, whenever I felt these urges coming up, you know, I would take care of them that way. I, I wouldn't, I never hooked up with anyone or connected with mm -hmm. anyone. But I think that in the big, in big picture of what happened in the marriage, that played a small, small part. It was really about how we were together and how we were as individuals. We both grew up in households that were toxic mm -hmm. and that really kind of did a number on us. And so while life was real, so we were married for 20 years, life was fairly easy for the first five or eight years. And while life was easy, things were easy. We traveled, we had, you know, we were, we were our, our own best friends etc., and all that. Then life started throwing us the curveballs and things got ugly. And instead of, and it, it still made this is someone we lo we loved each other. We got married, but, but instead of being able to come together, we are, I think our anxieties made us into kind of ugly people, and we kind of retreated into our corners and then came out slugging, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so it just became this very toxic situation. 
And, you know, we went through things like my dad dying, which I had so many unresolved issues with him and I never had a close relationship with him. And I thought, okay, this is going to be easy. He's dead, done. Next, uh, you know, chapter Mm -hmm. closed. And it, it was completely opposite of that. It was my first time dealing with that kind of grief and those types of issues that I would never have closure on. And I went into a really big depression and that was the first she couldn't deal with that and you know we got and 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 you know I don't think I was the most pleasant person to do, be around all the time but it got to the point where she was like you got to go get help or I'm out of here I can't take this anymore and and that was a huge wake up call that wake up call came a little uh, came again a few years later when we were going through marriage counseling mm-hmm. which is when I started therapy but so you know, so yeah so we went through you know, my dad's death. We went through infertility, which also was really we got through. And then we ado- we decided on adoption. We um, adopted internationally. That adoption became very. And there was a period of time where we thought we were going to have to move out of this country to complete mm-hmm. the adoption. So things were com- really really stressful, and we just never recovered from that. And when when we came back. Uh, to the U.S. and, you know, started our life here again with our son, who was an infant at the time. It was just, it reminded me of, you know, thinking back now, it reminded me of the household I grew up in, where things were always very tense. I never knew, you know, if I said A, what was going to happen, if I said B, what was going to happen. And so I just, I be, it just, I didn't, it was, a toxic situation for me and I feel like it's a toxic situation for everyone. Wow. So we started going to marriage counseling and part of that marriage counseling was one of the as we got through it we went we had two different therapists. The first therapist as we got through it at the conclusion, you know, she, my my ex said, you know, I her whole um, her whole approach or feeling were was that the issues in the marriage were me because of all my unresolved my the baggage that I brought to the relationship from my childhood and you know what she was totally right unfortunately that she needed to do she wasn't able to really face that so we went through one therapist and at the sort of the end of that those therapy sessions I didn't feel like we were getting anywhere but I saw kind of how hurt she was and she pleaded for me to go on antidepressants and I was very hesitant to do that for a number of reasons but I saw how important it was to her and I thought you know what this is the marriage I need to do if if this is really important to her help I'm going to do it so I went to see a psychiatrist then he referred me to a therapist and um, I began my own therapy be, and we can talk about that too. But but yeah, so so the marriage just um, fell apart for reasons other than sexuality. Mm-hmm. But as it was falling apart, and I started doing my own therapy, I knew from day one that sexuality had to be on the table. I had to explore that, and that would have been, that was the first time that I that I did that in a, in a thoughtful way uh, with, with a prof- well with anyone, let alone a wow. professional. So question for you because I'm I'm wondering if this maybe had an effect on you you said there was some infertility in your marriage was that on her her part or your part no it was my part so so (laughs) that's why i was wondering does that did that affect you as a person knowing that you were the reason that you couldn't create children (laughs) oh yeah and the killer was that as we were trying to figure out what was going on, I remember thinking, God, I hope it's me because I, if it's her, I do not want to mad at her for something she can't yeah. control. And it turned out to be me. And then I was mad at me for something that I Yeah, you can't control, control that at but all. That in the long run, now that that's in the past, looking back at that, did you not having the ability to create children, did that really have an effect on your psyche? It did for a while. I mean, I know I went into a big uh-huh. depression. And, you know, it, it was actually a roller coaster because, you, you know, we went through some infertility treatments and there, there were months where we thought we might be pregnant. And I, I tried not to go there, but I it was just so, you know, it's just, it was having a baby and having a family was so important to me that I just... Sh- 
went way high and then we turned out we, we weren't pregnant and then as high as I was low. I crashed yeah. so yeah so I know it had an impact on me I also know that my sexuality had an impact on me and this might sound silly but so part of the fertility treatments were that, that I had to and how do we say make a donation into a cup and then they would inseminate um, yeah. my ex. You had to go into so, a room and, and basically <laughs> masturbate. Yes. And it's the place we went to are set up all around to make everything nice for the woman, which is great. And the men, I got put into this closet with a TV and a bunch of porn magazines and the closet was in the hallway where people were walking back and forth and I could hear everything. <laughs> it did not make things easy. So, you know, so the thing is, too, that, of course, all the porn is, you know, to help you, the guys, you know, do what they need to do is all straight mm -hmm. porn. And that never did anything for me. So I think we went through three sessions. And after the for the, for the last two sessions, I brought I brought my own porn and I felt so guilty about that because I, I kept thinking, like, if this works and this came as a result of me masturbating to gay porn, I'm going to feel really yucky about that. I don't know why I had all these value judgments um, upon myself, you know, and I think a lot of that, actually, I do know why. It's all the shame and the crap that just accumulated over time. Yeah, from your growing up. From yes. just from the culture that you grew up in, the Catholic Church, yes. your Italian, it's just, it's mm -hmm. there. Yep. It was it's all there and it's all kind of lurking in the background waiting to <laughs> oppress, uh -huh. you know, when the moment is right. But yeah, so, so it took us about a year to kind of heal from the fact that we weren't going to, we weren't going to have our, by our own biological children and come to a place where we were comfortable with adoption. And you know, now that I think back about it, the way that we healed, it was very much independently and separately. We didn't talk about it. Well, maybe that's not true. Every once in a while we talk about it, but it's not like we'd spend nights going back and forth and, you know, kind of comforting each other, taking lots of walks with the dog and thinking about it. And then one day being like, hmm, okay. Because I, I always felt like, okay, if, if it's not my flesh and blood, if it doesn't come from me and doesn't, you know, it's not part of me and my ex, I don't know that I could love this child. Um, now I know that that's not true at all, but it took a while to get to that point. Yeah. Wow. And during that, no, I mean, she never put you down for not being able to, you know, that you're the cause that they weren't able to have kids. No, she, she never, that's did. good. She never made me feel terrible about that. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's yeah. a whole nether thing on top of you being gay and all that. So you went through, did yeah. the adoption, the marriage starts yeah. falling so, apart. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I just want to go back to that because I just, you saying that made me realize something in terms of how the infertility impacted me. Being fertile and having kids was such a part of a masculine identity. And so I knew, you know, in the background that I was attracted to men and now I am not fertile. And so that like just knocked me down a bunch of notches on, on how I saw myself as a person, mm -hmm. as, a, as a man. And that was tough. I could, I could see where that could come across where, yeah. wow, I can't, I can't even, I yeah, can't my do tool doesn't to even do. work right. Even do, do that. <laughs> Exactly. Wow, that's, yeah. that's interesting. And see, and from my perspective, I would look at that as like, oh, wow, this is like, you know, awesome. Now I can have sex and not worry about having a kid <laughs> out of this, you know. But obviously, <laughs> I wasn't in my situation. I never cheated on my wife when I was married. And I wouldn't have done that just because that's not something I would do. But I would never go out and have sex with another woman because I learned from my very first experience, I didn't enjoy that. So it wouldn't have caused mm. me a problem of going out and having, you know, sex with women and, and doing that. Yeah. So, giving, yeah. Giving you free reign to, to be yeah. wild and crazy. So, yeah. So that, yeah. But, but I can I see guess. your point where you, you, you know, that would affect your psyche and just in, in the ability of, wow, I'm not whole. But I, I look at it. I yes. look at it oh, as. A... Uh, I mean, I got, I got snipped, so I couldn't have children anymore after I had so many. Okay. I didn't want any more, and I'm like, this is the easiest way. And it took me 
almost a year okay. to convince my wife. I, I love the way that you, yeah, I love the way that you frame that because that's exactly that idea of being whole. That's exact. That is exactly what it is. It, it's I now I'm less whole. I mean, I was never whole. I never felt whole, but now I'm even less whole. And that was mm. it's devastating. It really was. It was hard. It was a hard wow. thing to get through. But knowing now on the, you know, the hindsight is always, you know, different than when you're going through it. It, it really yeah. doesn't matter now. So but no, back then it, it was, that mm. was really an emotional part to go through. So, all yeah. right. So no, I agree, you know, and, and also I think back then I, I didn't have the, the therapy and I don't, didn't, I haven't, you know, I've done so much growth since, you know, all this happened that I was a different person back then. So it was definitely going to impact me much more. It would have a bigger impact on me than okay. it would be different today. So let's jump bit. forward. The divorce, was it a easy, smooth divorce? Was it a rough divorce that when it was time to end? Yeah. You know, that was one, that was something I was pleasantly surprised that as contentious and toxic a thing as things been she was pretty reasonable during the divorce so the way we did the divorce is we did a it's called collaborative divorce and the way it's done here in california is you have it's, it's kind of like mediation except each person has their own lawyer and then each person there's like a there's a finance person for the team and then each person has their own coaches and these are kind of these are therapists whose role is not to give you therapy but to kind of help you get through the tough parts and get unstuck okay. if you get stuck and so that was you know I, the, the the thing i wanted to do even though at the time i was so so angry and and felt so betrayed i wanted to do this in a friendly way because i didn't want it to get ugly because partly is ugly frequently uh -huh. means expensive but also ugly is ugly not just for us and I'm a sensitive person and I'm an emotional person. And so I feel these things really deeply, but it's also ugly for exactly. the, our son. And that is not the last thing I wanted to have happen, being, having yes. gone through that myself yes, exactly. uh, as a kid. Yeah. So the collaborative process was really good about, you know, there were still times where things got contentious, but having the team in place and being really supported by that team was really helpful with that. Good. So divorce happens, you move out, you're, you know, you're separated. What goes? Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. What happened after that? Oh yeah, sure. So we actually, so, uh, this was 20, I moved out in 2013. We, I separated, uh, and we separated and I moved out and then we just started the divorce proceedings. Uh, and it, I, you know, I have to say moving out was great for a couple of different reasons. One was it kind of got me out of that really toxic uh -huh. environment and yeah, but also so the big thing for me is that it gave me space to explore mm -hmm. my sexuality. I remember my therapist telling me, she, I, I love my therapist. She was amazing. She said, I would recommend that you don't start dating or don't start. And actually, this was in 2011, so before I moved out. But don't act on it until after, you know, it's pretty much a done deal that your marriage is over. So it wasn't until, so I started therapy in 2011. The end of 2013, I moved out, and it wasn't until then that I slowly started to really do some meaningful personal exploration on, on sexuality, not just in the therapist's office, but out and about. Part of that was joining up with a, a wonderful, wonderful peer support group uh, that I'm now a facilitator for um, at the Pacific Center in, in Berkeley, and that's a support group for men who were or are in long-term relationships and are coming to terms with sexuality identify as bi or gay. Some, Most of us are parents, some of us are not. Um, but that was tremendously helpful because, you know, I'm I'm nervous, scared about every and worry about everything. So having a group of guys who I really felt held and heard by was so important. And, and not just for what happened in the group itself, but, you know, they and we'll take they took me out you know i've ne never been to a gay bar so they t took me out to the gay bar for the first time they took me out to the castro and really try really helped me get my sea legs around all that and then i also started exploring sexually mm -hmm. at, at that time also yeah so it, it was a great 
it was it was great to have that space to okay, do that. Okay, so so this support group really was crucial for you in that exploration and and Absolutely. actually kind of holding your hand in that process. Yeah, yes, holding my hand in that process and and letting me see that there is not one way to do this. And hearing everyone's different experiences is so important because. I had no, I had no idea, you know, I'm still carrying a lot of shame and guilt and, you know, I never dated women that much. Now I'm going to be dating men. How do, and I hadn't dated in 20 years. What is that going to be, you know, and, and how, who am I as a, as a person in this mm-hmm. new form or, and it's just, there's this thick fog and you can't really see too much. This group was really, really helpful. And, and so when, that's why I, I became a facilitator too because they did so much for me and I'm happy to, to give back and, and, and I see the difference it makes in these guys' lives. Yeah, really, really, really helpful. So in your exploration, you, you've you moved out, you're going to the support group, getting a lot of support. Your eyes are opened up because mm-hmm. you're seeing all these experiences of these other gay men and how they have dealt with their life coming out, how they started dating. Mm-hmm. What did that do for you? Because mm-hmm. here you are, newly single, not really experienced yet because you haven't done much. What was right. your experience that way? What was do, How did you go about meeting guys to start dating? <laughs> how did I go about meeting guys started dating? It was through... Some of it was through the uh-huh. apps. So I got on a couple of apps. One guy I met through, there's a, a group here called California Men's Gathering that has these sort of long weekends. And it's it's not about sex. It's really, really about connecting as a, as a, in, the, in the community and their workshops and everything. And so I met um, someone that I dated for a number of months. It was really my first kind of relationship. And air quotes because he was partnered, but we shared something really nice, and and, and so that was my and he was you know I, I think experience you know I I was lucky because I had no experience mm-hmm. in any of this, and he was patient and thoughtful and nurturing and 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 so really kind of helped me feel comfortable with things and show me some of the ropes, and it was it was great you know I but he's still in my life I mean I, I treasure mm-hmm. him. Yeah, so so it was through the apps, through you know, while I was a, a, a not a facilitator but a member, you know, some of there were some some of the guys I had a connection within the group, and so you know we would connect, and that was that was more about just kind of coming together uh-huh. and comforting each other as opposed to trying to have a relationship. Yeah, so so it was primarily those ways. All right, so where are you at now? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I'm going to take a step back. So. I got really burned out on the apps. And one, one of the things that I really discovered about myself is that I am not mm-hmm. a hookup guy. I I need meaningful connection. I need, I think I need to feel, feel safe with the person. I need that person to be present. I need it not to be that person to come together with the idea that we're going to reenact a scene from the, their, his favorite porn <laughs> clip, which is kind of, and and so I just I got really burned and I also just got burned you know the, the people who ghost you the people who flake out on you I didn't have I had a few positive experiences but not many so about in October of 2016 round about there I'm like you know what I'm done I'm gonna take a step back I think at that point I also realized I hadn't I was I had jumped into myself time to heal from the divorce and I needed to heal. I was still, I mean, I'm still a little broken, but I was so broken from that. And so that's what I did. I stepped back. I didn't date. I had this, I thought of, you know, if I meet someone organically, that's great. Then I'm I'm open to that. But I stepped off the apps. I did start, I joined a bunch of meetup groups. The meetup is kind of like the, are you familiar with that? It's like the the online space where you can connect with special uh-huh. interest groups. So I joined a few social, gay social groups, one specifically for men over 40, and then a few volunteer groups. And I think with the idea that, you know, if I'm going to meet someone in an organic way, it's probably going to happen there. It, it didn't. I'm glad I've joined that because those groups, because it those those have been very beneficial in other ways. But, but I, so I, for... The last so since October of 2016, no dating, nothing. Just just very recently though, 
I did connect with someone, but he's in the process of a divorce and not looking for a relationship right now. But he's this guy. And I just, I thought, you know what? I, it's been so long and, you know, I really connect with him and so myself to to go there with him and it, it it it's nice after a couple of years of of not of not having that i i think too one of the the other things is that when you're not so busy dating and hooking up and that kind of stuff there's a lot of room to feel you know and, and certainly i have my son who gives me a sense of purpose and uh but when he leaves uh, and it's just me uh, and i don't have anything else on, it can get really lonely. And then, you know, I can start caving in on myself thinking, oh, I'm old, you know, I'm this, I'm that. No one's going to, no one looks at me. I'm invisible when I go to the bars. Mm -hmm. It's hopeless. So kind of going down that path. But I have to say that it's been really beneficial taking a step back, not dating, not having sex uh, for that long. Because I also started back up on therapy and trying to really kind of now work on, you know, the first round of therapy for me was coming out and then getting through the divorce. And now this therapy is, okay, let's let's work on all that crap you got as a kid and and get 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 on the solid path wow. of that. And that, that's given me the space to do that because I'm not I'm not busy dating or, or looking for dates or responding, you know, all, all the things that go around that those activities. Yeah, but it, it sounds like, you know, that you actually decided to take time to heal yourself from the divorce and not jump into the big sex pool of dating because a lot of times when yeah. you know gay men come out of a heterosexual relationship they're they're like these horny virgins that are just ready to go <laughs> through everything and so it looks like i mean what you did is that you just said you know i i did get on some apps and things just didn't work out for me so i kind of pulled back and you're healing yourself but what you know one thing that that yeah, I really liked what you said is that you got into some social networking apps that yeah, the idea wasn't about sex. It's about connection. Mm. It's about people. Yes. And, and you're yes. truly wanting to have an organic relationship where mm. you meet this person and through friendship after you have known this person for a while this friendship then develops into a future relationship and that's what you're what you're looking yes. for and i think you're going down yeah. the right road for that coming into social networks that are specifically set up for you know older gay men or you know the california meet groups where Men's where you just go mm -hmm. and and it's all about connecting. It's maybe maybe there are topics that you're t discussing when you go to the campouts, but it's just it's not about going and sleeping in the tent with someone. It's about having that connection. <laughs> exactly. I'm laughing a little bit because so when I was in the process of coming out and, and kind of starting on that path, yeah, that that whole horny teenager thing. So I thought that coming out and unwinding and unburdening and taking off that heavy gross cloak of having to act straight and be worried about if anyone thinks I'm not straight and not not really being authentic with myself. Taking all that off, I was going to be this new person. And I was going to be the basically the opposite of the person I was when I was quote unquote straight. You know, dating, occasionally dating women where it's all about establishing a relationship first and then it moved into a more physical piece for me and and there was always a lot of you know this is coming from my mom certainly not from my dad but from my mom a lot of respect for a woman and she is and and and, and treating her with respect and in all aspects not just related not emotional but also physical relationships so anyway so i thought i'd be like the playa you know like my cousins my male cousins were that's what i thought i would be but mm -hmm. just in the gay world and i try, i tried to be that but it just did not fit and you know i went through this period where was like what the heck is wrong with me like i didn't get it i couldn't do it right uh, you know quote unquote right you know before and now i've got nothing I'm, I'm out there nothing to hide and i'm still like i'm i still don't feel like i fit in where all these guys are hooking up all the time they have boyfriends or they're married or partnered and they're you know have an open relation like what like so jokingly <laughs> My friends call me the lesbian of the group because, you know, the need to connect. And I and I, I 
quickly because I'm very open with my feelings and I kind of have a big heart, but, but, but that the connection was critical, important. So, you know, after having beaten myself up and what's wrong with me because I can't just go out and, you know, have sex every night. And I was like, well, I no, it's because I don't want to. And, and, and really thinking about is it because I'm scared still or I have shame or I haven't given myself permission or is it because this is who I am? And, you know, I, I land and it feels good and it feels comfortable. It also feels much more whole for me to be that way with men and and to establish those connections mm-hmm. first. Wow. Not just jump in the sack, right? Or just have a, a one-off and and you don't you don't see each other again. I had a series of there was this guy, really nice guy, and we met through the app and uh he had been married to a woman, gotten divorced and right away soon after uh met his husband. And his husband gave him permission to explore since he hadn't done that before, as a, you know, before he came up. And so we got together a number of times and it was always very, the physical chemistry was really great. And then slowly what started happening afterwards, you know, we'd start, I'd start having conversations, you know, like uh-huh. pillow talk. And I noticed that he was, after that, he just didn't connect with me anymore. So we, we kind of stopped it. And it's like, ah, you know, that's so important to me, that, that connection that really, I don't know, it's coming together. Kind of like, you know, just the opposite. For him, it was a hookup. It was all about having the yeah. experience of being with other men because he found his partner, his connection. And yeah. the minute you wanted to start connecting and having that pillow talk, he's like, oh, no, no, no. I just want to have sex. Way too much, yeah. And and I've heard from friends that some of their hookups don't uh-huh. even want to kiss because that's way too intimate. And it would they don't want that level of intimacy. It's all about all the physicality around all the other parts of the body that they're interested in, but not kissing. And, you know, I hear that. I'm like, oh, my God, but kissing is like so important. And it's it's the it's the gateway. It's one of the primary that even I don't know. So it's just, you know, so realizing all that about myself, it, it was good that I took a step back. And, I you know, I do feel that that was the right mm-hmm. thing to do. I mean, in the background, I have to say, though, and this was kind of informing some of my behavior, I, I I have to be honest and say I was desperate in the beginning. I honestly thought that I would leave my marriage and then like in a fairy tale book, the chap, the page would turn onto the next chapter and I would be in a relationship, right? Because I'm a great guy and, I, and I'm living authentically and I'd find a relationship and, and that didn't happen. And I don't know if other men my age have experienced this. Mm, there's a little bit of a time thing, you know, oh my gosh, I'm... At the time, I was 48, 49, now I'm 52. You know, my biological clock is ticking. I mean, that scene from um, any, I felt like time's kind of running out. I don't have as much time as I used to. I need to get on, on this and I need to find someone. And and clearly that's not the right way to do it. And so I've taken. Yeah, that is, I mean, I look at that and just say, you know what? You took time for yourself, but it's it really sounds mm-hmm. like now you're in the process of I'm comfortable now in opening up and allowing someone to come in. And I think that's, to me, it sounds like that's where you're headed because you've joined these groups to find more the type of person that you're interested in. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. Go ahead. mm -hmm. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, one of the sort of byproducts of, of, what I've done too that I've been really happy about is I am much more relaxed socially now. You know, like when we go out, go down to Folsom, um, to the Bear and Leather Bars, I am not like scanning the room and seeing who's looking at me and am I holding myself right and am I, you know, all those kind of self checks to say I need to present the my best self. Do I my dress? I just go and I have fun with my friends and it's so liberating. It is so much better and then you know it's if someone finds me interesting and i find them interesting then okay but it's not about me putting myself on the market it's about me enjoying myself with friends and i that's just it's it's that's been a wonderful byproduct that i didn't expect from 
kind of relaxing about wow. all this stuff. Because you, you're not, you're just being authentic to yourself and who cares what happens if something happens, that's that's a bonus. Right now, it's just about me going out and exactly. enjoying my friends. Right, not about me going yeah. out and getting a man. You know, it's it's about me and being with my friends. Yeah. Wow, well that, that just brings you to a point where, you know, you're just almost like you're at the doorway of your new you know, rest of your life, you're, you're ready to step through that door, but you're just at that point where the door's not open yet. You're still kind of seeing who's there for you, but you're not, but you're not like the one that's actively pursuing it. You're just, you're doing it naturally. Like what you wanted. I wanted to have a, a natural relationship. That's not going to be, you know, me out looking and, you know, pulling that fish line in and bringing them into you. It's, it's, (laughs) you're just you know if it happens it happens yes exactly i mean talk to me in 20 years and say but but i I mean i feel like you know i i think what i've made my peace with is that you know maybe i'd love to find someone i'd love fantasy is uh, the brady bunch family i'm gonna find a guy who has kids maybe around my son's age and we're gonna come together get married and my son will have siblings and and it will just be one huge happy family it'll just be fantastically perfect i don't know that that's going to happen i'm not holding out hope that's going to happen but you know I, I think i've come to the realization that what's really important is that i have i surround myself with a, a close and loving and meaningful group of friends exactly because in the end you know that that's what's going to get me through. And that ha- is what has seen me through. I-, I can't count on finding someone else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think that's what you're doing is you're, you've yeah. so there's, there's set your that. life in, in this path and you're willing for things to happen, but you're just going to see what happens. Right. Exactly. In the meantime, I have a great, beautiful group of friends that are just, that we're just, just, um, it's just, that's it, so fulfilling in and of itself that that, that, sustaining well you know it it sounds i mean just the whole story of what you've gone through it's like wow it's so interesting because you really have had kind of a hard life just from starting off because of the cultural and and the religious Mm -hmm. which is part of the cultural part of your family growing up the divorce and and just the masculinity that your father wanted that you weren't yeah wasn't there obviously and then a little bit of the abuse you've really just kind of come up and created the family that the life that you've wanted now and and now you're you're you've got it all set up so that that can happen and it will eventually you're you're just going to continue down that road and and that person will come into your life yeah but you're now ready to accept that because of all the things that you have done to prepare yourself does that make sense it totally makes sense sense i would i though i feel like i'm still getting ready i'm still i'm getting i'm not 100 percent there well yet. is anyone 100 percent there is anyone ready for everything <laughs> no compare myself i don't to. think <laughs> no yeah, i don't think anyone yeah. is ever ready you know but when things happen they happen yeah. and you're like oh well it was meant to be yeah can, sure. can i just share something with you that just happened recently that oh it's funny because when when you're in the weeds and you're like oh my god the, i don't see the light the end of the tunnel. I'm not getting anywhere. It's so disheartening. Um, and then something like this happens. You're like, oh, I have gotten somewhere. So last weekend was Pride uh-huh. in San Francisco. And I, I spent the morning there volunteering for a volunteer organization that I'm a part of. And and then the, the rest of the day with friends. And while I was at the volunteer booth, you know, I'm normally not, I'm kind of a shy person and I'm, I'm not too socially, I guess, forward. I'm not sure that's the right word, but while you know, people weren't really coming to the booth too much. And so I just kind of stepped out. I'm like, okay, just take this chance. And I just started kind of being a carnival barker. And apparently that worked. <laughs> and, and we got, but here's the thing. I realized just in doing that and then just being, you know, in, in pride and, and seeing all the different people and stuff. It's like, I had this feeling that I haven't had really before. I feel comfortable in my own skin. I feel comfortable as me. That has never happened. And <laughs> I'm almost crying now, but it was such an amazing feeling. And it took place in the energy of pride. And it was just, it was, 
it was something I really hold on to because it it tells me like how far I have come. And it's ooh, I'm gonna cry, but it's beautiful. And it's part it is that is part for people that is part of finally being able to be your author self. It's not gonna come any other way, I don't think. Not for me anyway. I mean just a beautiful story of something that you would have never have done. You would have been totally uncomfortable getting out in front yep. of others and and just being that that clown of trying to get people in. People and it was received well. That just totally boosted your whole self morale. Of yeah. I can do this. I can it do did. this. And, and then you sit back afterwards and you're like, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> exactly go george <laughs> yeah. well, that that is just yeah. really awesome and a, a, a neat story mm -hmm. to hear that that you just through life's experiences you were able to go up you know let's say up on the stage and do that performance that was needed at the time which in the past yeah. never would have happened Never, and you were able mm -hmm. to do that. Talk yeah. to stranger. That that is just right. awesome. Well, you know, George, I I yeah. think we're right at that point where you've shared a lot of information about yourself and and really a lot about what you have gone through in your life, in your marriage, in coming out and becoming who you are that you know today. And I think this is the mm. perfect time to say let's let's move into our fabulous five questions. And so the okay. very first question is. What is the best part of being gay? Mm. Uh, there's a multi-part answer. I'm going to keep it brief. Best part of being gay is, we just talked about it, being feeling like I can be myself. I don't have to put on a mask. I don't have to worry about what people think of, you know, am I straight or can trying to convince. I can be myself. And that has just relaxed and opened me up so much. And it just feels so good. And that, that that's also enabled is I love having these deep connections with men and it's okay. I think straight guys can have the same thing if, if they weren't so, you know, con those that are, are concerned about masculinity and being, you know, masculine enough because it, it's not about sex. It's about having these really deep and loving connections and the love comes through. It's not just, you know, going shopping or talking about how fabulous your life is or comparing cars. Or, it's not that at all. It's, it's about having deep and meaningful connections with men and being able to show the affection that comes from that. Again, it's not necessarily sexual, it's just affection that comes from that hugging, kissing. I love that. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, the that's, thing. that's awesome. Because I mean, that's really is true. It's about being yeah. yourself. And so, yes. And yeah. that's awesome. Okay. Question number two uh, says, what has been the most surprising part of coming out? Oh, okay. I feel like these are all multi-part. <laughs> okay. So that's one okay. is, <laughs> okay, thanks. So one is something I talked about before. One is the surprise about who I am as a gay man. And I thought I, I went into this thinking I would be completely different. Um, and I'm actually the kind of the same shy, nervous, socially awkward guy that I that I was before uh, who needs connection and who values connection. And, uh, and so I haven't the biggest surprise is I haven't become this different person. I'm the same person. And I have to say and, and this I the other surprise was that I kind of thought that I had this stereotype notion of gay men that all gay, it's going to be so great because gay men, just because of everything they've gone through in their lives, are going to be emotionally available and vulnerable, and it'll be easy to establish connections with them. And and that isn't always the case. <laughs> and and that's also been a big surprise that they're. It's kind of like in the straight world, you have guys who who are can do that, and guys who really are not comfortable with too many feelings. So that's been a surprise yeah. to me. It's so funny you mentioned that, you know, you thought this is what gay men were like. And it's so funny, the outside world, their perspective of what they think gay mm -hmm. men are always about. You thought that they would be emotionally ready and da 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 But, you know, I... It's so funny because I have people tell me all the time, oh, well, you're gay. Oh, well, you'll sleep with anyone. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Where do you get off with that? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Exactly. Yes. It and well, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I think. Yeah. But we do. We bring. I, I think, and I've I've heard enough from other members in my in my peer group that a lot of us bring, even though we're trying to be open minded uh, and stepping into this new world, we bring all the cultural mm-hmm. crap uh, with us, and that informs. And I. That's something we're tasked with is to keep an open mind, keep an open mind around um, gender fluidity, around um, sexuality, around all the different flavors and shapes and sizes and just be open to that. Not not try not try to get rid of all that baggage that you bring and shame and crap that you bring with you. I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, so this next question shifts a little bit from from the Mm -hmm. first two. This one. And this is a really good one because I kind of want to hear the answer to this one now. It says, how is your, how is your relationship with your family different now? Like your ex, your kids, siblings, parents? Mm. Uh, So with my ex, it's no different. Just real quickly, I came out to her. I decided to come out to her after we finished the divorce because it wasn't really a factor and I didn't want it to cause any more, kick up any more dust than Mm -hmm. necessary. And I told her I, I'm willing I'm happy to talk about it. I'm sure you're gonna have a lot of questions and just that relationship with her hasn't changed with my son and I'm not sure how that and with my siblings I have a younger brother and sister sense that gosh I'm having a hard time explaining this uh, because I am fully there fully present as me as all of me and I can share the, all these things so much closer of the so Besides my mom, my brother was the one I was most worried coming out to because he had said a bunch of homophobic things in the past and I, you know, but I did it. And he, oh my God, he was the one, even more than my sister, I have to say, that really supported me. I mean, I came out to him and that evening I was uh, taking a walk along the beach here and I got this call from him. I didn't get the, I didn't hear the call. So it went to voicemail and I listened to the voice. Voicemail. I started to cry in this very public place because he's. I talked to him about this person I was seeing and how I think it might lead to something. And he said, George, first of all, I'm so glad you shared that with me. I was afraid you were going to tell me you had cancer. So I'm really glad it's not that. And of course, I'm going to be there for you. And we would love to see you know, this person that I was seeing at this time, bring him over when you feel ready. We would love to meet him. And, you know, that's, oh my God, that was so just validating. And and I hadn't had like a super close relationship with him before, but I'm a lot closer to him. Wow. That is so awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So with my mom and my, with really with my mom, my mom went from being, I don't know what she is now, but it's not a fundamentalist. Um, It's some Protestant. I, I, I should know, but I don't. Anyway, so very much Bible, Bible-y. And, um, and she's had a really, t- that's been, I mean, we still have a relationship, but you know, it, that's been the toughest part. So it's, it's definitely the relationship with her has changed. I would say it's taken a few steps mm-hmm. backwards. I've got to, I got to give her time. I'm hoping she'll be able yeah. to come along. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's just so much better being able to, even with my boss at work, I came out to him early on and it's so cool. Like we go to the gym together and he's totally cool. Like we, you know, I, I'm always nervous. Like I don't want to make him comfortable. He's like, don't worry about it, George, but it's able, I'm, I love being able to say, Oh my God, that guy is so hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just being yeah. myself. That's that. that yeah. Better. That is so awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is so awesome though. Because I mean, it's something that you, you know, as when you're talking about that, that's something you wouldn't, if you're not really comfortable being out, you're not going to say those comments around other people. Exactly. And saying those comments is a part you're expressing yourself, right? And you're being you and you're, you're in the world and you're living and, and to hold those back. I'm, Oh yeah. I'm so glad. Oh, yeah. I can no, do so that. my yeah. I have three daughters and they're teenagers, you know, 20, 18 and 16. And mm-hmm. when I will pick them up and they're in the car, they are, you know, that age, they are all about all the guys around them and we will be driving down the freeway mm-hmm. and they will look at each other and like, "Did you see that guy in that car?" And I will say, "Oh yeah, he was mm-hmm. hot." And oh my gosh, they just die laughing. And they and I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "Dad, it's like just so cool that we can sit there and think this guy is hot and then you chime in and say, oh, yeah, he really was. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's amazing. It is. 
That's beautiful. But isn't it though? I, you know, my son's 11, so I have to kind of keep things age yes. appropriate still, but it is. And we kind of do the same. And, you know, he loves to tease me. Uh, there's stories there, but he loves to tease me if I'm like, oh, wow, that guy's really handsome. And then I kind of act a little goofy about it. And then he'll start teasing uh-huh. me about it. So it's, it's really, it is, it's, 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 it's great to, to be able oh, to yeah. do and that. It's just the, you know, and it's beautiful that your daughters well, say that you to know, you. It's just the culture. They are so kids nowadays. They don't care who you fall in love with. It doesn't matter. They just grow up with this yeah. open, welcoming attitude. So it's it's so funny oh to gosh. to see that you know your relationship battered with your brother than what it was, and that you're comfortable with you know when you came out to your boss that you can make a comment and your boss doesn't give you like how dare you talk like that in front of me. He just is right. just casual right. and he just you know probably jokes with yeah. you like oh I didn't notice or oh wow you know <laughs> yeah well. He- he point he points out uh-huh. the women and I point yeah. out the men. There so we got go. both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question yeah. number four. It says, Do you wish you could have handled any part of your coming out process differently? Oh goodness. Yes. Well, mm, it's more about regret. So one of the tough the t- tough things that I've had to to deal with, and I'm not hundred percent done yet, is I really wish I could have been out to myself before I got married. And I wish I could have told my ex about me and shared all of that about me before I got married. That's a big regret of mine. You know, it's it's easy in hindsight to look back. I realize at the time I was gay, but I convinced myself that I was bi and I could compartmentalize. And yeah, sorry, this is skipping around a little bit. But the first time, so I... Uh, going to my therapy, I had to, I knew I had to put everything on the table because my marriage was on the line. So I had to talk about sexuality. I chickened out the first three times, the next, the fourth session, I'm like, I'm going to do this. So, uh, I said, I got in there. I said, before we do anything else, I need to tell you something. And I, she, okay. And I said, I'm, and the word gay, it's easy, easy word to say, right? would not leave my throat. It took about 10 minutes. It was physical. I've never had that happen before since. It physically got stuck in my throat. I couldn't say it. So then I think I think about that. And it's like, I can't even say I, I'm gay out loud to a therapist. Of course, I'm not going to be able to come out to her. I'm not going to be able to come out to myself back then. But, you know, I, I, I wish I could have done that. I really do. And then just some other things, too. I think I was very gung-ho. One of the things we talk about in our group is you don't have to come out to everyone right away. Really, it's best to come out when you get your sea legs, when you feel really kind of anchored and, and, and comfortable with everything because of the different reactions you might get. But I was just so eager and so kind of like, I'm going to be in your face about it that like old neighbors that I'd run to run into on the street I, with a guy that I was dating they're like so George how are you how have you been and I'm boo, 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 boo. oh I came out and blah, 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 and here's my boyfriend blah, 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 blah. and, and you, I just saw their eyes get really <laughs> wide not because about the gay thing but just because it's like that is way more than we needed to know <laughs> and so I think a little bit more thoughtful about that but other than that uh, I wouldn't do anything different <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> it's been pent up for so long that you know if someone says how are you yes. like it just spews out <laughs> it spews out and it spews out from this point of like i can do this now look and then yep. here you go and it's and i'm glad yeah that i feel confident but you can do it a little bit more yeah. properly, george so yeah so now i'm I that's that. so funny okay so the last question this one is a little bit more thought-provoking. Other than mm-hmm. the obvious, your kid, family, partner, what things in your life bring you the most joy? The things that bring me the most joy are volunteering for um, in the gay community. I did, for the second year in a row, the A life cycle ride, volunteered at the registration event, and it is such a moving experience. Sorry. <laughs> Because you see all these people take this big effort for people they know or family that may have, you know, died of AIDS. And all these mostly gay men, some lesbians behind doing the volunteering, coming together and working together and supporting each other. It is so moving and so beautiful to be in that energy and to be like in this community 
and realize we're doing such good work and I'm I'm a small part of that. It's just, it's incredibly fulfilling. So that's a big thing, volunteering and, and giving back. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a facilitator, one of the facilitators at my peer support group for Married Once Married Men. Um, that's incredibly fulfilling also, helping guys take those first steps, taking them to the caster. They've never been to a gay bar before and being, forming that kind of that supportive hive around them to help them kind of experience things in a, in a fun and safe way that I, I get, I feel so it's so fulfilling for me. It's just the close relationships I have with my friends, with my, uh, all of my friends, but, but mostly my guy friends uh, now as a result of just being able to fully and honestly and authentically connect. And we have been through a lot together and we've supported each other. It's not just about having fun, happy times all the time, but it's about really being there when we need each other. And that's been incredibly beautiful. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for it. So yeah, yeah. you, you hit on a topic that's really important is that, you know, the volunteering that you do, the rewards that you get back, you, you mm. are going out there volunteering because you see a need and you feel like I can do that. I can fill that need there and help this organization move forward. But what mm -hmm. you don't realize mm -hmm. is what you get back is so much more, 10 times more than what you put into it. Yes. Because you're volunteering yeah. In something that needs to be done, but it's just the connections, it's the experiences, it's the personal joy that comes back to you because you feel like you're giving and, but yet yes, you get so much more back. And, yes. And in, I just want to add one thing. And in that giving, you are giving in community. And that for me is incredibly important. It's not just me, you know, on the other end of a phone and that's it. It's me in community with my, with my uh, queer mm. community. And it's, that's incredibly fulfilling for me because, you know, that's a community that, you know, I, for a lot of other reasons, just, I always, I never connected with, and I didn't want to connect with, and I was scared and, 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 and now I'm there and now I'm, I'm in community and all for me, there's this imagery of, of energy and flow and it's just this organic thing that's it's beautiful and, and meaningful. Yeah. yeah. And especially, sorry, not to get on my soapbox, but in these times, one of the, so we, every month we have uh, peer group facilitator meetings and, you know, back at the recent, uh, the last presidential election, we were all kind of dispirited and our uh, peer group kind of manager said, you know, you got to think that just showing up and being in these groups and helping these people work through their issues and, and you know, being more comfortable as a queer person or whatever the peer group is all, all about, you are helping and you are doing something. And that is also incredibly meaningful that to just this kind of counterbalance the other stuff that's going on societally, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit of the rock that I can chip away at. And that's important to yeah. me. You know, and, and that is so true of what you said, because, you know, you're involved in the facilitator and, and volunteering at these other organizations. And this very podcast, this thing happened because my co-host Ben said, you know, we need to do something. We need to get this out. And I'm like, sure, I'll help you do that because I know how to do podcasts and all that. And, and we've been doing this now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so fun to just be able to talk and interview someone and get it out yeah. there in the podcast world just so that people can hear it and the comments that we get back the people that reach out and say thank you it's mm -hmm. that just you know they're not trying to do anything special or anything they just that thank you means so much to you and and validates all the work that you do in and donating yeah. your time and doing all this stuff yeah. that value of a thank you you don't realize how much this has helped me is so rewarding yes and i'm sure you you I, get that I, from your groups also i also want to give it right now and add my voice to that in this format i know i've done it um in, in email but i want to say i want to say thank you to you guys because what you're doing is so incredibly important it is so important for guys going through this or thinking about it or, you know, wherever they are to hear, to get different points of references to say, ah, oh, this feels right. Or, oh, okay. It's not what I was afraid. So I just, from the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you guys and doing this so important, so important for our community. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. And, and again, I just, it's, 
enjoyable. So good. That makes sense. so. I know that I I said we have the fabulous five, and we just did five questions. One mm-hmm. more question that we don't include on this. Okay cheap because we really want to get your honest opinion on this one and that is you have just opened up and shared your lovely story with us and just really opened up and talked to the community about you and there are listeners out there that Mm -hmm. are listening to this story or that will be when i post it (laughs) that are gonna have Mm -hmm. that connection and they're gonna say wow i wish that i could reach out to george and just ask him some questions because I'm going through that right now. And I just know that if I could just talk to him, it might help me. Is that something that you're willing to do? If we have a a listener reach out to us and say, Hey, can I speak with George? Is, are you okay Mm -hmm. with us connecting that person with you and you having that opportunity to call them back and make that connection? Are you willing to do that? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. I, I kind of, felt like that would be the answer just with what you do but you know we kind of have to put that out there because then you know at at the end of a podcast now having that listener that just spent this hour with us listening and you know maybe they're on that end of the podcast and they're crying right now because they Mm. have for Mm -hmm. them made a connection to you and they Mm. want to be able to have questions answered that you know, you brought up a lot of things, and guess what? I didn't follow up with questions on some of those things that I, you know, because mm-hmm. we only have an hour here, and now yeah. this gives that opportunity for that person that just really got something out of this interview to make a connection back to you. So I appreciate that, and, oh, and I welcome. know that there will be those that are interested and in in connecting. Yeah. So. With that, George, I would like to say thank you, and I would love to do this again. This was absolutely fun connecting with you. Oh, thank you, Ross. I Again, I appreciate being able to contribute to the work that you guys are doing. All thank right. you. And with that, I will say goodbye, and if you have any questions, just reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.org. And until next time, we will see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gay Fathers Podcast. Subscribe to get alerts for each new show. A special thank you to our guests, hosts, and all those behind the scene that make this all possible. Want to share your story or have questions? Reach out to us at podcast at gayfathers.org.